in the book of 1 John. We've been in it for about a month and a half, looking at the themes of 1 John, and I want us to go to 1 John chapter 4. And tonight I want to talk to you about abiding in the love of God. First John 4, we're going to begin at verse 7 as we look at what it means to abide in, in God's love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now that's a pretty amazing theological statement. God is love. You know, it sounds kind of mushy. You know, oh, God is love. And you have to figure out how are we going to define love? God is love. What does that mean? God is warm and fuzzy. God smells like flowers and bouquets. And God is sweet and syrupy. What does love mean? I mean, in America, we define love as emotion-based. People fall in love and they fall out of love. They emotionally attach and emotionally detach. Right? Love is... We can love our dog. We can love food. We can love a restaurant. And we can love our spouse, we can love our children, you know. So when we say God is love, what does that really mean? Love is greater than an emotional aspect of reacting to someone because emotions are conditional. How many of you know that? Emotions are extremely conditional. 90 degrees, people were not loving the weather, right? Immediately, emotionally had a different opinion about summer. I mean, our 90 degrees weather in Michigan is like two days, okay? And when it comes, we all, oh, it's so hot. Give me a break. What does it mean that God is love? St. Augustine in the 300s believed that this statement, God is love, was a revelation into the Trinity, the triune nature of God Himself. Because love must have that which it is attracted to. Love must have an object to pour out. When you look at the definition of love, love is patient, right? Well, in order to have patience, you have to have patience towards something. Love is kind. In other words, to have kindness, it has to be extended towards something. There, there, love is, has to have an object of its commitment, its devotion. And that's truly the meaning of love. Devotion, commitment. All right, Emotions come, emotions go, but I will stay committed. I will stay devoted. And so love must have an object of devotion. Does that make sense to you? And what St. Augustine saw in this is that when the very definition of God is just one word, love. So the theological definition of God is love. So within love, as Paul so beautifully and eloquently defines it in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, love is never rude, love is long-suffering, love is, you know, all this, right? You, you know that verse. God is that. 
So for us to declare God is love, God created all things, everything issues out of God, and so therefore if God is love, everything is based out of that love. Everything that was created came forth from that love. Everything is good. The cosmos, the world, everything is based in love and is good. So why is it such a mess? Because the devotion that God had towards Adam and Eve or mankind that he gave in love a free will because love cannot be coerced, love cannot be demanded, but there's a risk when you give a free will to hope that love will freely return. It was not returned by Adam and Eve and they broke covenant, broke love with God for themselves. And in the fall came the, the, the evil and the destruction and all that is good in creation got warped by man. That's why there's sickness and death and the power of sin and death over all that is good by God. But God so loves this world, doesn't He? He didn't give up on it. He's going to rescue it. I mean, he could have trashed it very easy and started over. But he won't because he invested himself in it. Do you get this? Everything that created came forth out of him. And it's all good and he loves it. Even though we tainted it. Even though we abused it. He loves it. I want you to be overwhelmed by God tonight. So what St. Augustine said is, if God is love within Him and His triune nature, is that affection of love? Because the Father loves the Son. And the Son loves the Spirit. And the Spirit loves the Father. And the Spirit loves the Son. And the Son loves the Spirit. And so in this triunity of God's identity, He is love because within Him is the object of affection of Father to Son to Spirit to Spirit to Son to Father. And there is this divine magnification of His being which is devotion unto the Godhead Himself. And everything that comes forth out of it is an invitation into it. This is heavy. This is heavy. This is deep. I hope it's so deep you can't, tr- you got to tread water. I hope it's so deep you can't touch ground so that you get swept away by this. God is love. Some of you think of love, love, uh, love stinks. Uh, sorry, I think that's Jay Giles. I'm going back in time. All right, Love Hurts, that's another one. All these songs, most, most hits on the radio is everybody singing about how lousy love is because we fail at it. We failed at it in the beginning, didn't we? The one who doesn't fail at it is the one who is love and he cannot fail his own nature. That's good too. You've got to write that down too. He can't fail his own nature. If he is love, he will never do anything other than love. Everything He does, He does lovingly unto us and for us. His grand scheme and the full (laughs) depth of all that will be is from His nature, which is love to the Father, to the Son. Remember, everything was created by Christ and for Christ. Father 
created everything unto Christ Jesus, and Jesus in love created it in devotion to the Father. And when it fell apart, Jesus in love, Father sent the Son because he so loved the world, and Jesus so loved the Father, he gave his life to redeem it back to the Father. This is love. And everything about God is love. It is caught up and wrapped up in the identity of who He is. He is love. Alright, that's verse 7. Verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Now verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. God is love, as I had just explained it, and He says this, that love was then made manifest. What does manifest mean? Made known, revealed, demonstrated, showed up. He didn't... He didn't send an angel, he didn't send a prophet, he didn't send, you know, he did in times past, but at the perfection of time and when it was necessary, he came. He showed up. He so loved the world, he sent the Son. He had to. He had to. Because what does he do? Thank you. He must. He will never leave you, nor what? Forsake you. Why? His love. He cannot contradict his nature. You may do the worst things and offend him horribly, and he will love. And he will reach, and he will call after you. He loves us. Even his judgment, even his wrath is found in love. And so he manifested his love for us when He sent the Son so we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that God loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation of our sins or for our sins. Paul says this in the book of Romans, echoing John here, that while we were yet sinners, Christ what? died for us. He says, now this is how God demonstrated His love for us. The cross is a demonstration of how much He loves you. And the very word in the Greek used for God's love is agape. A-G-A-P-A. Agape. No, well, it ends in an E. A-G-A-P-E. Agape. Okay? And that kind of love is a self-sacrificing love. It is a love that goes beyond you and your best interest of feelings. It's a love that speaks greater than self for the sake of the other. God so loved us, He sent the Son. Now, let me show you where the Son came from. Turn to John. Well, you, I put it on your outline. Alright? Look at your outline. John 1.18 says this about Jesus who came. John 1.18 No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. Now, I don't know what translation you're using. NIV, English Standard, King James, New King James, any, anyone. This verse 
is a complex verse. The translators have had a difficult time trying to translate its meaning into English. King James is different than the NASB and so forth. Here's the concept. No one has seen God. No one knows God. I thought Moses saw God. I thought Isaiah saw God when he was high and lifted up, Isaiah 6. I thought they never saw God in his being and totality as triune. No one has seen the full revelation of God until Jesus. And it says this, No man has seen God except the only begotten, and some translations say the only begotten Son, but the word in the Greek is theos, the only begotten God. Jesus is God. And He is God the Son. And no one knows the identity and fullness of God except Christ the Son. All right? And let's look at the translation. It says this, who is in the bosom of the Father. Other translations say who is at His side. Poor translation. The best translation is that He is from the bosom of the Father. He came from the bosom. Somebody tell me what's a bosom. (laughs) Where's a bosom? Right here. The bosom. What's so important about a bosom? The heart. Life. Man man thought this is where his soul was. This is where his identity is. This is the bosom of a man. And, And now we go, oh, that's so foolish, isn't it? But where do you hold babies? Where do you embrace each other? Where do you hold in that that warmth and that love you hold it to your chest we embrace it's the bosom and this word bosom it it means the very soul and identity and and totality of of who we are as a person and where did jesus come from the bosom the heart of god the father nothing can separate me from the love of god which is in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the love of God. He's the revelation of God. And He is from the bosom of the Father. God didn't send a foot or a toe, an ankle, a nose, a voice. He sent His heart. He manifested His love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ came. God is love. And so when He came to reach to us, He came and poured out His heart. He did that in the garden when He came to them in the cool of the day and they rejected Him. What did we do a second time, mankind, when God the Son came to reveal the heart, to reveal the nature of the Father? Jesus said, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. Look at this next verse. It says this, uh, uh, the only begotten who is in the bosom of the Father, He declared it, or He revealed Him. The Greek word for that revealed or explained him is exogeme. We get the word exegesis from it. It means to understand, to explain, to unravel, to reveal. Jesus reveals the heart and the bosom of the Father. And so much so that he said, if you want to see the Father, you've seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen The Father. I didn't speak any word of my own, Jesus said. What words did Jesus speak? The Father's. He said all these miracles and all these actions, everything He did, He said, is not of my will and volition. They are whose? 
the Father's. Everything he did was to reveal the nature of the Father. And we get this all confused because everybody thinks that the Father is this crotchety old dude of the Old Testament. He's just always angry. He's got like a thorn in his foot. What's your deal? Why are you always blasting people, destroying people? Ah! But Jesus, he's nice. We like Jesus. Jesus is sweet. Jesus is peace, love, and understanding. Jesus would not want you to understand him in himself when his whole mission was to reveal the Father. He wants you to know the Father by everything he did and everything he said. He was obedient unto the Father. What am I getting at? That if God is love and he demonstrated his love, he poured out his heart and he gave it to us, it's Jesus. Jesus reveals the heart of God. He was hard on those people who were religious and didn't know the love of God. And he dealt with them a certain way. And he was compassionate on those who were sick and needed a physician. And those who were broken and were seeking God. And he's that heart of God, the love of God. Manifest, real, tangible. He came in flesh, you could touch him. This is the love of God. And he explained the love of God. And this gospel is a gospel of the love of God. So I have to ask you, are you revealing the love of God? Now we'll go a step further. What he did on that cross out of his love, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. We even murdered him and put him on a cross and killed him. And he still had to be faithful to the nature of the Father and forgive us because that was what the Father wanted to do. And he presented his own heart as a sacrifice for our sinfulness on display for all to see. And if you will, as an analogy, when that heart stopped beating, it got buried into the ground of the grave. But that heart is sinless, and death could not hold the heart of God, and it rose from the dead to bust open and break apart sin and death for you and I. For one reason, so that He could take care of the sin issue, so He could put something in us. Do you know what He put in us who believe? The Holy Spirit or the Spirit of holiness, which is the third person of the Trinity. You can't get away from the love of God. He put His love in us. And in Romans chapter 5, it's on your outline that I gave you, verse 5, it says this, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. So the Holy Spirit in this verse represents what? The love of God. It says in the King James it's shed abroad. But the simple term is it's just poured in. Poured in. Poured in. Poured on. Poured in. It never stops. The love of God is flowing into us. Because you have been invited into the nature of God. You've been invited into the love of God. Which should never disappoint. Which will never fail you. For God to fail you and for God to disappoint you is for God to fail at His love. But you've got to redefine what disappoint means. This isn't your show. This isn't about you. It's about the love of God being on display. 
This isn't about. It makes me sick as to what everybody's doing to the gospel on TV and, and on the radio and at conventions. People flood in to hear what they can get, what they can get, what they can get. Right? If you have kids and all your kids ever want from you is stuff, that hurts after a while and you think, this is all I'm here for you? Huh? I remember uh, hearing different kids at Christmas time and when they're disappointed, done opening up the presents. Is this it? Is this all there is? You know, kids get on a high. They can't help it. They're just naturally sinful. <laughs> Selfish. You can see it. It's true. And so you got all these presents. There's the huge letdown when you're done with the last present. It's like, <laughs> is this it? How many times do we talk that way to him? Is that it? Did you got any more for me? Because I could really use a new car, I could really use a new suit, I could use new shoes, I need a better job, I could use more money. What does that have to do with anything concerning the love of God? When His love is being poured into us, poured into us, poured into us, constantly poured into us, the love of God. We need to understand what this means. This is the nature of God. This is the love of God. It is shed abroad. It was demonstrated through Jesus and now it is poured out by God's Spirit. Jesus prayed a prayer, Father, make them one as You and I are one. He invited us into the nature of God's love. That is amazing. And so, let's continue. Chapter 4 now, verse 13. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. You with me? I'm going to get, yeah, First John 4, 13. I'm going to wait because you need to underline that and highlight it in three different colors. By this we know that we, what? Abide in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. Sometimes the simplest verses are the deepest. There is no separation between you and God. There is no separation. I want to speak right now to those of you who have an orphan spirit. Some of you think that God comes and checks on you once a day. Are they okay? Yeah, I think they're okay. God never separates and never leaves you if you are in Christ Jesus. He can't. He cannot. He put His Spirit in you, so He dwells in you. His nature is in you, so He never leaves. You abide in Him. He abides in you. Even when you don't feel like it, even when you fail at it, even when you're miserable, even when you're done with this Jesus stuff, even when you're fed up, and even at your highest peak and everything's great, He's in you and you're in Him. Oh, but pastor, you know, what if you do this? And what if he does that? And what if we go here? And what if they say these words? And what if they don't do this? That's such a cheap gospel. of. There's no love in that. Don't you understand what love is? Love! The love of God! He eliminated the sin issue so that nothing will separate you. If you've accepted Christ, He's in you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Your good behavior didn't get you saved. His grace did. You fail Him, He'll love you. Paul talks about that to Timothy. 
You're faithless. He's faithful. He'll win you back. This isn't going to end up like a bad marriage. He's not going to quit on you. Many of you are so broken and so hurt because you've put your heart out there to love people. It's dangerous. And we're loving imperfect, broken people. And it fails us. And so we put that on God. Or we've been raised by a mother or a father who were not very good mothers and fathers. And our love is is broken. But that's not Him. So if you're feeling orphaned by God, I'm inviting you into the knowledge of God's love. God is love. So every definition of love in Scripture is God. That's His being. Do you get it? It's not His attitude, and it's not His emotions. It's His ID, identity and being. He cannot contradict what is good, what is faithful. Consider the fruit of the Spirit. He cannot contradict that because that's His nature. And so you abide in Him and He abides in you when you feel like it or not. You are one with Him. Verse 13, verse 14, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. That's that's something for John to say because John was there. He saw Him. He heard Him. And he says in the beginning of this, first John, he says, And I, my hands have touched Him. God's love showed up. Now it goes on, for whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Right now you're in God. How many of you know Jesus as your Savior? Right now you're in God. Do you understand this? You're in God. I don't even understand. It's too deep for me. You're in God. You're in His love. Nothing can shake you out of that love. There is a pureness of love. We're so inept in understanding this love. We're so shallow in understanding this love. But that's okay. He'll keep you. Right now, you're in God. God's in you. And you're in Him. You're in Him. Man, I wish there was something to do besides these words. They're just not good enough. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help us. Let's go on now. Verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. So verse 16 says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. But that's not true. I would say a good, I don't know, 50%, 60% of everybody here doesn't believe that you abide in God's love. You're still working for it. You're still looking for His approval. You're still trying to find his favor and it's already yours he loved us first he loved us first i mean we get to participate in making people having children creating babies the the love that a mother and father has in and of themselves births a child And they loved that child before the child was even conceived and made. 
because the love in them created that being, and they immediately loved that being before the, the being was. Does that make sense to you, right? And it's with us. God loved us first, and that love will not change. And, and this verse says, believe the love that God has for you. Do you believe the love that God has for you? And the thing, the one thing the devil wants to do is rob you of understanding the love God has for you. So many of you feel God can't love you because of the junk you've done. The sins you've committed, the, the vulgar things you've done. There's nobody here on a higher pedestal than anybody else. Collectively, we've got every world's sin here. Some of you hide it better than others. Some of you wear it. Wore you out. But do you believe you abide in God's love? And, and it, that's like, oh yeah, sure, yeah, I'm good. Really? Do you honestly believe this? Because this is going to make the difference on your worst days. When you don't think God cares and nothing's going right and the worst things could happen in your life, do you still believe God loves you? I can believe that. I've lost the dearest people in my life. And I still believe God loves me and God has a plan. Some of you don't know me, so I, I have to use this. I, I know I've used it a lot, but I, I have to tell you, I have to share my heart. At 16, I cut my father down from a pipe as he hung himself in our basement. The night before, I was in church praying for him. And he still commits suicide. Messed me up good. But I wouldn't be here today if I didn't know God loved me and got me through it. One of the closest men in my life, my brother-in-law, was killed on a motorcycle when he was 50 years old. A deer ran into the front end of it, flipped him, seemed to be doing fine getting through it. It seems like the deepest and closest men I've ever had in my life, gone. Pastor I grew up with, left, gone. The pastor I became an associate pastor to, I looked up, I couldn't wait to study with him, fell into sin, gone. Seems like every guy I ever got close to is gone. But I know one thing. He will never leave me nor forsake me. You know what I'm talking about. Many of you have lost the dearest things in your life. Some of you have lost children. Some of you have lost the dearest things you've ever known. So do you believe God abides in you? Yeah. Because His love is not defined by what happens on this planet. This planet is messed up. But that doesn't define Him. People say, well, if God is so good, why doesn't He change things? Why doesn't He stop all these bad things from happening? If you want God to stop all the bad things from happening, He's going to stop you. They don't want that. They want God to do all the good stuff. They want Willy Wonka. They don't want God. So, do you believe, and I'm asking this in a soul-searching way because all of you are out there going like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we get this, we get this. But how many of you really believe 
that God loves you. That the, understand the love that God has for you. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God. God abides in him. Now, that abiding. So if Jesus, catch this now, if Jesus came from the bosom of the Father, right? If Jesus came from the bosom of the Father to put his spirit of love in you, where'd that love come from? The bosom of the Father, the heart of the Father. His heart was manifest, demonstrated the love so that He could take away sin so that the Spirit of God could come in and give you the love that is the bosom of the Father. And so if you abide in God, you abide in what? The bosom of the Father. For God to fail you is for God to fail Himself, which is contrary to His nature. Somebody get this. Somebody get this. We put so many conditions on this stuff. We put so many, what if? Yeah, but what if? But what about? Yeah, I had a friend who did this, but he was, you know, he did that. And his, you know what? I can't speak to all that nonsense. All I can do is tell you what the Word of God says. You're in the bosom of the Father right now. You're in the bosom of the Father. You need to live there. So when the enemy attacks you and the enemy says, God doesn't love you, that's the most outrageous thing you could even try to tell me. you got to do better than that. Because this love was demonstrated on a cross. You can't tell me God doesn't love me. But I believe it hook, line, and sinker many times. How many of you have been in that place? Ooh, God doesn't love me. We all boo-hoo that. We all say that. We've got to get to this place where the nature of God is in us and we are in Him and He cannot deny Himself nor contradict His nature. God loves me. Devil, you are a liar. You are a liar. You are a liar. Now, let's go on. Verse 17. By this... Is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment? Because as He is, so also are we in this world. I need another hour for this. By this is love perfected with us. Love is perfected or completed with whom? With us. He is finishing. He is perfecting the manifestation of His love. The demonstration of His love. It came from Him and created all things. And with us, restoring us back, He is perfecting or completing the demonstration of His love to the universe through us. You're on display of the love of God. And so He proudly shows the redeemed. We who have done so many things contrary to Him, by His love He drew us, by His love He saved us, and by His love we're, we're changed. And we're demonstrating this love to the world. And so now His love is being perfected in us. It's on display. He's showing us off. You're, you're, you're the perfection of His love. 
to the guy that lives down the street, to your neighbor, you're the perfection, you're the completion of his love. They don't see him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. They hope there's a God, they, they can't see a God, but they see you. And you are perfecting the love of God by how you treat them. You get this? You are the demonstration of his love now. You're the manifestation of his heart. How's the church doing? Right? This thing is so powerful. It goes beyond culture. It goes beyond age. It goes beyond dates on a calendar. It goes beyond on, uh, uh, social norms and cultures. This thing is so deep. It's the love of God that is being perfected in us, demonstrated in us. You can't demonstrate this love if you don't believe in this love. If you haven't tasted this love. If you don't know this love. If you're so broken and so wounded. If you're in such a place where you cannot have love, you need to crawl into the bosom of the Father and begin to get healed. So that you can perfect the love of God demonstrated in your life. Let's go on. And so you'll have confidence on the day of judgment. Huh? How many of you know that you are in the bosom of the Father, you are loved by God, so on the day of judgment, you don't have to worry about heaven or hell? You're so secure knowing this. And you're completing that love in you. So that you have confidence even on the day of judgment because as He is, so also are we in this world. What does that mean? As He was the manifestation of God's love, so are we now. You getting this? Oh, we started this off in the God nature of the Godhood and He is God and then He extended it out to man through Christ Jesus so He could eradicate sin and put His Spirit of love in us. That love is shed abroad in us so now we are like He was and now we are part of that love and demonstration to the world. This is just too amazing. Now let's go on. There is no fear in love, but perfect love, what? Casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. The context of this verse is you're not afraid of God anymore. Now the fear of God is the what? Beginning of wisdom to fear god is to reverence him and to be in awe of god that's the beginning of wisdom because you know how great he is and how holy he is and you come to realize you're not but once you have come into salvation through the love of god and you understand what christ has done for you and this love has been shed abroad or poured into your heart and that you have salvation you are no longer afraid of god you don't fear him and you don't fear punishment because love has been perfected in you now the word perfected we stumble on that word because everybody's like yeah this perfection stuff i'm not ask my wife she knows the word perfection is a lousy english word for the depth of meaning of what it means it means to a a fullness or a completion 
the completion of love. Love is filled up. Your love tanks are full. Your identity in love is perfect or complete in Jesus. I am perfectly loved by Christ Jesus. And see, people are always trying to do more for Jesus so that, they, that God would love them better. Because we're so conditioned. When we do bad, He doesn't love us. When we do good, we get brownie points. And we live like this. But His love has been made complete in me so that I will not fear. So perfect love does what to fear? Cast it out. Now this is what's awesome about that word. What did Jesus do with demons? The word in the Greek for cast out is a word that means to throw with, without any consideration of where it goes. I mean, it's just to take something and just whip it. It's Kleenex, it's okay. How many of you would want God to just come in and cast out fear? Just start grabbing it by the neck. Distortions of who he is. Get out of this temple. Do you remember he made a whip when he went into the temple and he turned over the money changers and he drove out the animals and he said, my father's house shall be a house of prayer. Not a den of thieves. If he felt that way about brick and mortar, what's the temple of God now? us his spirit comes in and casts out fear a fear of god a distortion of who god is a wrong concept of god the the idea that you would stay away from god because you're not good enough the concept that god doesn't love me because i failed him the idea that i'm just too broken for god to ever care he looks at everybody else but not me jesus comes and he says get rid of that thing My love for you is passionate. It's zealous. My love for you is perfect. It's complete. I will never fail you. And what I began in you, I'm going to complete. I'm going to cast out every wrong understanding of my nature. Getting rid of it in you. Wow. That's the love of God that abides in us. How many of you are thankful for that love of God? Thank God. For that love of God. Listen, Colossians 2.14, it's on your outline. I close with this. It says this, that he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. What are the handwriting of ordinances against us? Does anybody know? What's that? The law. Who wrote the law on the stone tablets? Yeah, God. The original ones. Then Moses got ticked and broke them. (laughs) Seems we keep breaking (laughs) all the things God does. He's so patient with us, isn't he? He loves us so much. How many things did your kids break in your house? (laughs) You say, I'm getting rid of the kid and keeping the vase. (laughs) 
All right, so the hand of God. God wrote the Ten Commandments. Can I tell you something? That those Ten Commandments, the law of God, is written against us because none of us can live under the perfection of that law. How many of you know that? Who wrote the Ten Commandments? What is the finger of God? What is the hand of God? Anything that emanates from the Father is the Son. That is Jesus. Jesus is the Son. He is that which came from the heart of the Father. So as God was writing His nature of holiness on those stone tablets, it was by the hand of Christ. Jesus wrote the law. Jesus put it in the stone. These were the things written, the ordinances and laws that were written against us. Where did God put that law? On the cross. And what hand was nailed to the cross Those ordinances that were written against us were written by the hand of God which God put into flesh and took the hand of God and nailed it to a cross to pay the price. He wrote them and He redeemed our failure with His hand. And it says it was nailed to the cross. Who was nailed to the cross? There's the demonstration of love. He did that for you and I. There's no greater demonstration. And now he says that he now pours his spirit in us to love us to perfection. And now he embraces us under the bosom. And so I complete with this with going to 1 John chapter 3. Just one page over. I promise I'll be done. Now 1 John 3 verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given us. See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. This love is being perfected in us. This love is being made complete. We're learning how to love like Jesus. We're learning to love Him more than the stuff on this planet. We're learning to love Him more than ourselves. We're learning to love Him more than the extra drink, more than the extra food, more than the self-medicating, more than the ten minutes of pleasure, more than anything else. I will love Him. I'll purify myself as He is pure because I love Him, He loves me, and everything I do is motivated out of love. Christianity is not about you. It's not about us having a better life. It's nothing about us. It's a surrender to the love and loving God because He so loved us. Man, if we would learn this, our marriages would be better. Our relationships would all be better because relationships are not built on us. They're built on a commitment of to love to another. I mean, I, I can't explain it. I really can't. All I know is that it's here for us. I just pray that it would break through us somehow. I mean, words are so lousy. I, I can't imagine how God is trying to express this. He gave it in words, and words are so... Pfft. 
can't compare. So he demonstrated it by what he did. And then he pours his spirit in us so that we could feel it and know it. And then he promises and then he tells us, but you've got to know this. You've got to experience this love. And the, 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 the lost can't. They're dead. So the only way they could ever know the love of God is how? For us to introduce them to this awesome love of God. Now don't, don't reduce this to an argument, yes, but pastor, what about what is holy and right and just and what about sin and what about that? It's all covered in this love. It's all been covered, I, I, all of it. All theology is covered in this love. God is love. I'm not giving you a wimpy gospel. I'm giving you the gospel. So I conclude with this. God help us. Let's pray. God, I have fallen so absolutely short of trying to express what John wrote. I don't think there's a human who could properly explain it. Other than you, Jesus, come now. Jesus, come now by your Spirit and speak this love to us.